I was going to clubs and uh, dancing, pretty much being forced to every day. And I was so weary and I was just so tired of it. And I couldn't get go to work anymore without, you know, drinking as much as possible or taking as much as of whatever it was to just numb it. I came to a point where this is the time. Like, this is the time I either have to die or God has to come in and save me. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Raised and Redeemed podcast. I'm your host, Michaela Nikolinko, and I started this show after finally finding my home in Christ. I grew up in a home with lots of abuse and addiction where Christianity became something that repelled me. I spent my early adulthood seeking God in other religions, tarot cards, psychedelics, and even myself. I didn't realize how much hell I had pulled up into my life until I came face to face with the dark side and Jesus fought hard to save me. Now I live to serve his will and host a platform where others can share their story too. If you're looking for a show that talks about real things and provides encouragement for those who have been to the dark side and back, then this is the show for you. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share this show with anybody else who might be encouraged by it too. Thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the Raised and Redeemed family. Good morning, everybody. Today we're talking to Elizabeth Ortega. Um, she, just a little bit about her, she grew up Christian and then kind of fell away from the faith, ended up working as a dancer for some time until she reached just a rock bottom in this lifestyle and eventually turned her life back to Jesus. So I'm so excited to have you here on the show today to share your testimony. Thank you for being with us, Elizabeth. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's, you know, been on my heart to share with people because I feel like there's so many people right now that this industry people are interested in and you know this is a warning to them but that's where the lord found me wow yeah you're so right about that like you see it all over social media just the influencers celebrities it mm-hmm. they really like glamorize this like over sexualized mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. of life i don't know if you've seen like the doja cat posts lately like she's just outright with the fact that like it's Mm -hmm. the demonic leading Mm -hmm. her life and um yeah so I'm glad that you want to be here today to share that warning because it's very real (laughs) it's very real and you know I came to the Lord you know I think the Lord had me go through that for a reason um but my sin and you know I was so blinded by it that it just led me into so much darkness and it could have taken my life so many different times, but through the grace of God, you know, he humbled me and, you know, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble and he gave me grace in my darkest time. So and sister, would you mind just telling us a little bit about you, like where you're from, where you're at right now, what you do, that kind of good stuff? Um, well, I'm from uh, Corona, California, um, I was born and raised out here for a small time. I lived in Oklahoma and, uh, that was in my teenage years. So a lot of, you know, my background from that time did shape me, um, into my early adulthood. And that's when things started going very wrong. <laughs> but, you know, I work with my husband. We have our own, um, automotive shop. Uh, God called me into the automotive industry immediately out from that lifestyle. He made it really clear to me. And God has been so faithful, uh, for the past six plus seven years. Um, I've been in the automotive and okay. God has blessed it. And it's super exciting. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So that was your transition out. Okay. Well, Mm -hmm. let's go back to the beginning. If you wouldn't mind just getting started with your testimony, how you ended up finally giving your life to the Lord. I'll let you take the wheel. Okay. I grew up in a Christian home. Um, My parents, they always believed in the Lord and they always took us to church every Sunday, every Wednesday night. Um, I was even homeschooled. I was homeschooled almost my whole life until I was a sophomore in high school. So it was interesting how, you know, the end of my life ended up playing out and where I got to. But my parents, you know, sheltered us a lot. They loved us a lot. But a lot of the, you know, me and my siblings, 
you know, took it kind of uh, differently. We just thought that God was controlling in a way. We didn't understand his love. So then I went into high school. Um, my first best friend that I met was a drug dealer. And I was just like, oh, so there's that. And, but they're nice. You know, these people are so nice. You know, bad people are nice. And yeah, just, you know, I best in everybody. Yeah, I saw the best in everyone and I immediately got into the wrong crowd. And my parents were, you know, so disappointed. And, you know, they were definitely losing all hope and all control, you know, as soon as I turned about 16. For a little time while I was homeschooled, around 12, um, I started acting. I was in plays, so I was homeschooled. My mom was taking me, so I backtracking a little bit. She would take me to plays and eventually I got found by an agent. And I was about like 13 years old and they were immediately, well, let's do modeling. Let's do this. Let's do that. Instead of me liking play acting, they wanted me to, oh, well, you're pretty. So let's, you know, try to get you jobs for this or that. And um, that's when I started kind of just realizing that, you know, I could use, you know, instead of like my acting talent, you know, using my beauty. The Lord somehow during that time, I got signed up with an agency and they were going to send me to Tokyo to live in a model house at like 13, 14 years old. And praise God that didn't happen because that would probably, you know, turn out differently. But my parents let you. Well, they ended up... um, owning a restaurant. So they started a restaurant business and they needed us to help. So they put us in a public school and they owned their restaurant and I would work at the restaurant every day. And then I started rebelling. And then um, my relationship with both of my parents, you know, immediately became uh, very strained. You know, they were very vocal with me about, you know, how much of a disappointment I was. They were also losing their business. They were losing uh, the restaurant that they owned. And we had to move back to California. And so we moved back to California and I just continued, you know, down that road and got into really abusive relationships uh, immediately. You know, I found my my boyfriend I was with for three years. So junior and senior year, and he was really abusive. And would just speak a lot of, you know, lies over me and just tell me I was worthless. And then I was hearing a lot of that sometimes at home. And um, I would go to church still Sunday, Wednesday night because I had to. But, um, you know, I just, I never really gave it to the Lord. I kind of just let the lies and the fear take control of my life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. you mentioned how your family, like they try to protect you from this, like they homeschooled you, mm-hmm. they took you to church all the time. Do you mm-hmm. feel like you observed um, like the fruits of a real relationship with God in their lives? Or was that not really like, did that result in church hurt because you didn't? Or what was that like? There was a lot of um, fear. I think, you know, my parents struggled with a lot of that and with like finances and stuff like that. They always had their own businesses. They're entrepreneurs. And, you know, there was some like anger issues on my dad's side. So there was a lot of things, you know, that were said, you know, in fits of rage that comes from his side of the family. So the witness was, you know, there, but, you know, with my mom more, you know, and my dad had his struggles. (laughs) Okay. That makes sense. But you hadn't like personally encountered Jesus yet. No. So to you, it was still just like a religion that and my family. Yeah, that's what my parents yeah. do. And, you know, I kind of just bobbed around, but I didn't see like the power like 100% in that. So I just didn't put my faith in yeah. that quite yet. So you're living this kind of fast life, hanging out with Mm -hmm. the wrong people. Mm -hmm. You said you're what, 16 years old now? Yeah. And by the time Mm -hmm. I was like 18 going on 19, I was kicked kicked out of the house for good reasons. Uh, But yeah, yeah, my parents asked me to leave um, because I was bringing things into their home as well. I ended up having a pretty decent, you know, nine to five office job. I started living outside of the house and I had a good friend of mine and that's who kind of started introducing me into, you know, dancing. Okay. You were 18, 19 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So I was very, very young. And what was your office job, the nine to five? Uh, Yeah, I was a personal assistant. Well, I used to work at Chick-fil-A. That was my first job. So I was one of those like chipper, you know, looked super innocent, was super bad. (laughs) 
yes. type okay. of uh, young girls. And a lady walked in and she was like, I love your personality. I want you to be my personal assistant. So I would assist her at a senior living community. She was the executive director. And I would assist her with paperwork and answering phones. So. Okay, gotcha. And then, okay, so now you're at, you're doing this, but I'm sure that's mm-hmm. not like the most fulfilling or monetary no. rewarding thing. Yeah. So you have a friend who's like, we should, we should dance. Yeah. Did she already dance? No, but her boyfriend said that his ex-girlfriend danced and made a lot of money. And then my friend was like, hey, this is something we can do when you're get when you get off of work. And we could first start off. I first started off at the reception office, taking all the payments there at the club. And then she worked as a waitress. So we scoped it out for about a month or two. Yeah, no, I remember like working at the clubs. It was always like the really sweet girls who worked up front. And Mm -hmm. maybe like they were kind of watching Mm -hmm. the environment to see if they could do it. Yeah, Um, that was totally. Yeah. So, okay. So were you afraid like even going into that environment or not really because you were kind of just, you weren't dancing yet? Yeah, I wasn't afraid um, because I wasn't, you know, dancing yet. And I was really, you know, good at, you know, answering the phones and, you know what I'm saying, the customer service. So I was, you know, not scared at that point, but I did know that, you know, her, her, her more so her desire was to start, you know, doing it, but I was just like, okay, like I'm down for the cause, you know, that's kind of how it all started. Okay. So tell us what your first day slash like audition was like. I actually don't remember too much about it uh because while I was working in reception that's when I started actually experimenting with like drugs so while I was still there I kind of brought that with me into it for starting off so I was always kind of somewhat on something in the beginning you know but I don't think I was you know necessarily that scared I think I've always I've been unusually confident (laughs) Sorry, probably very cringe, but yeah, I was super, you know, just like, okay, whatever, you know, here I am. And, you know, I thought it was fun. I thought I was getting paid to have, you know, fun. And I was like, wow, this is, you know, something cool. I didn't think I was going to be doing it forever, but I was like, this could catapult me into, you know, I always, you know, through acting and stuff, that fame or whatever, you know, that desire was. You know, like maybe I can meet someone and then they can, you know, set me up. And yes, you thought maybe you could get noticed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was scoping for a husband when I was dancing. Mm -hmm. Obviously, like the worst environment to scope for a husband. But I remember thinking like, I might meet like a really wealthy man Mm -hmm. in here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But looking back, it's like, I would not want to, I would not want that to be my husband. Oh, no. I'll end up spending money on somebody else. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, okay. So like at first it's fun. Did you ever Mm -hmm. have like a moment where you're like, yeah, this is not so fun anymore? Or like, did anything bad ever happen to you in that environment that made it become like real for you? Yeah, towards the towards the end, I was dancing and I was, you know, felt like I was having a great time. And I was taking, you know, lots of different things. And one night, I thought a girl at the club gave me an ecstasy, but she ended up giving me like two Xanax. And I was not used to that. And I fell down this large flight of stairs and got carried back up. But I was like, no, I still have to go down there and work. So I went down there and girls were trying to take care of me because I was like alone in like one of the back rooms for like hours, like crying. And something probably really did happen to me. I ended up the next day going up to the managers and asking for the recordings to see what happened to me. And they wouldn't show me. So, you know, from then on, you know, I was you know, kind of even coping even more afterwards too, in a way with drugs, because I didn't even want to know, you know, what happened. And do you think it was like something that happened with one of the the clients? I'm pretty sure because when you're, when I was that young, there's certain clubs that you can work at. If you're 21 and over, you can work at better clubs. So these clubs were pretty dark because they don't allow alcohol. There's a lot of creeps. 
That's really interesting because that is something I wanted to ask you because you said you were you were dancing in downtown LA. Mm-hmm. So I was curious, like, because I know that there's some very expensive, like, luxury mm-hmm. clubs in that sort of environment, mm-hmm. but you were kind of on the south side of it. I went to multiple. So I started off at a really good one. Okay. And that's where I was working in the office, mm-hmm. but they were still the same thing. Cause when you're under 21, it's fully nude. So bad things could happen to you a lot easier than a 21 and over. So there was so many young girls that were being like, literally some girls were even going in with like a fake ID. Like they were 17 years old working there and the, the management does not have your back if any type of assault happens to you. Want to dive deeper with the Raised and Redeemed podcast? We now have a Facebook group called the Raised and Redeemed Community, where you can join to discuss the episodes, share your testimonies, and find encouragement from fellow like-minded, born-again Christians. Find us on Facebook. We do have the Raised and Redeemed podcast Facebook page. And once again, we now have the Raised and Redeemed Community group too. I hope to see you there. I worked at quite a lot of different clubs, but I finally did turn 21. That was uh, the most high-end club. And that's where like I met lots of celebrities. And but that's when things got very spiritually dark for me was more more so then. So what was the spiritual darkness that you experienced? Um, well, we, we met a lot of uh, very wealthy people who are, you know, in the rap scene and stuff like that. And I, this whole time, was into, like, astrology and palm reading. So I made it, like, just my thing. So I would read people's palms and I would, you know, guess their birthdays correctly because I was on – and I thought that I was better at – doing that when I was on drugs, but it was just because the more that I was on, the more I was able to receive information pretty much from demons. Yeah. Yeah. And then wow. it got so bad. I would just black out and not even, sometimes I would even go in almost sober and I would completely black out and people would say like, yeah, you were just a different person. It was just like demonic takeover. Yeah. The more higher end club had the most uh, spiritual warfare there. I remember a guy came in one time and he looked around and he looked at me and he's like, oh my goodness. He's like, this place is just like Sodom and Gomorrah. And I was like, because I knew what that meant. Uh-huh. I was just like, yeah, that's crazy because, okay, so I've talked about this a lot in my testimony too, that it was the new age spirituality and belief mm-hmm. system that made me feel not just okay with being a dancer, but like empowered by mm-hmm. it. Like, when I was in that belief system, believing, you know, false teachings from demons, mm-hmm. I like hardcore thought that stripping and, you know, sexuality and all this stuff was empowering and healing. Mm-hmm. And I remember like I did a very similar thing. Like I liked to help people. I thought astrology at the time was just like advanced psychology. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I was helping people by figuring out their natal charts, their sun, mm-hmm. their moon, their yep. rising, you know, where all the planets the were. Way. And it kind of gives you like something to talk about too that's mm-hmm. not as awkward. Like in that kind yeah. of Yeah. And yeah, so that's interesting that you said that like the most spiritually dark place was the highest end one with lots of celebrities because going back Mm -hmm. to one of the first things we mentioned, like I hear it all over the music, like these new age, Mm -hmm. modern day pagan beliefs Mm -hmm. that these Mm -hmm. rappers and celebrities believe in and Mm -hmm. indoctrinate people just Mm -hmm. subliminally through the music that they're producing. Was there sort of any kind of spiritual darkness climax that you mm-hmm. reached in this point or? Um, yeah, I, well, I got a boyfriend uh, halfway through all of this and he started, when I first met him, he was like a rapper and all of this stuff and he had all these lofty ideas and these dreams and I was really attracted to that. You know, he was also, you know, very involved in like gang violence And I was living with him. Everything started off great. And I was dancing. Um, But slowly, he started taking control of my finances. 
and he was taking every single penny that I earned. Um, and especially when I was working even at the high end clubs, um, he was taking everything. And I remember one night, um, I came back home from the clubs and it was probably about like six in the morning. For me, that was night. Cause that's when I would sleep. It was like six in the morning. I was laying in bed and my eyes, uh, were like pried open. I was laying in bed, but my eyes were pried open and I saw smoke from the corner of my eye coming through the door. And the smoke started traveling towards me. And then the, the smoke started making like a face, like an actual, like a skeleton face. And it said, like, can I come inside of you? And I was like, no. And then it said, I'll be back. And it just went back through the door. So I don't know, like while I was drinking and doing drugs, I was probably being possessed. And then, you know, when you're sober, it's harder for them to force their way inside of you, you know? So like like any connection with a spirit spouse at all, like with the sexual immorality too, or mostly like the possession of like drug and alcohol abuse. Um, It was also weak with him as well. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure he had a lot of uh, demonic stuff. I think that's what attracted me to him too, was because I was, you know, built with demons and that was like that was the chemistry that we thought was chemistry it was like completely demonic yes I met a guy in the club that like I thought he was my twin flame I thought we were gonna be together like I was obsessed with this guy and looking back I'm like I remember thinking like there was something in our souls that recognized each other right away like oh we Mm -hmm. must be twin flames no it was our demonic spirits it was it was our demonic spirits that recognized each other and like you said Mm -hmm. built that chemistry that's Mm -hmm. that's a profound point um Mm -hmm. especially like when you're living in sin with somebody you know that's not the spirit of god Mm -hmm. that's attracting that person Mm -hmm. no way yeah and it's like the opposite you know, yeah. anyhow, that was my, that was my situation with him. And I was in total bondage, you know, in the beginning it was freedom. And then very fast it, it became bondage. I had to work like almost six days a week. So I thought he was making music. He told me all of these great lies about himself, but he would actually like steal cars. <laughs> um, I ended up finding out that he just lived his life through robbing other people. My God. Yeah. He was kind of like pimping you then at that point. If he's almost, yeah, I was, yeah, his full time girlfriend, but I would find like things in his cars from other girls. And then towards the end, you know, it just became so prevalent that he was cheating on me, but I was really scared to get away from him. So, how did that happen? What was, uh, (laughs) it all came to kind of a head. Um, I was, uh, going to clubs. And uh, dancing, pretty much being forced to every day. And I was so weary and I was just so tired of it. And I couldn't get go to work anymore without, you know, drinking as much as possible or taking as much as of whatever it was to just numb it. And I know my mom was praying for me like throughout all of this. Uh, there was even one time where like I was smoking weed and I could like hear the prayers of my parents really like, audibly in my ear. Much. Yeah, voices and everything. Yeah, I and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm hearing voices. I'm going crazy. And my boyfriend's like, yeah, you're absolutely going crazy. You're going insane. And I started googling things like, you know, how to, you know, I'm demon possessed. Like, how do I get freed from this? Um, what do I do? And just kind of like reaching out like online and through some of the girls that were there, like at the clubs. They were like, well, you need to go see a priest. You need to get help. And I found an opportunity. My parents were leaving on a trip to visit my sister. And I knew this would would be an opportunity to kind of escape, you know, my at-time boyfriend. And everything was coming also to a head, like with my spiritual life. I was just uh, so broken down. I wasn't eating. I lost like 40 pounds in a matter of like almost two months. You know, I was just like like diminishing almost like spiritually, like I couldn't smile anymore. I couldn't look at people in the face. If I went and got food, I couldn't look at them in the face. Um, I was like very scared of my boyfriend at the time. Like one time I remember looking at him and I could have seen like his eyes change. Like they looked like snake eyes. And I was like, 
so hyper aware. My mom told me she saw the same thing in her ex-husband, who is definitely demon possessed. Mm-hmm. She said the snake eyes exactly. So mm-hmm. you were starting to be aware of mm-hmm. of this, you know, the darkness that's mm-hmm. surrounding you. So um, I was trying to work things out, like on my own, thinking about finding like a priest or somebody that could help me. I put on my phone, on my my screensaver on my phone, it was like the Ten Commandments. So I thought like if I went by, you know, that for some reason, I was like, you know, trying to, but didn't really know how, or like I did know how, but I didn't want to repent in a way. I came to a point where this is the time, like this is the time I either have to die or God has to come in and save me. And one morning it was like six in the morning, and I was laying in bed and I was like, I think I'm just going to like literally just die right here. Like I can't live another moment of my life. And I just asked the Lord and I was reading on my phone. It was like in order to, you know, be saved from demon possession, you know, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if not, like worse will come to you. So I, you know, sat in my bed and I just prayed to the Lord and the TV was on. I think it was like Charles Ray Stanley, like in, in the morning, Charles Stanley. And uh, yeah. he was uh, just talking about, uh, you know, saying the sinner's prayer. So I did that. And at that very moment, I just felt something like hit the glass of the window and leave. I immediately uh, p- picked up my Bible. I had Bible still. I would never pick it up, but I picked it up. And it was a second Corinthians three sixteen, And it says for where the spirit of the Lord is, there is Liberty. Yes. And so now that this demon just like fleed from you, cause you mm-hmm. prayed this prayer. Now you can, you know, you have the desire to pick up the Bible too mm-hmm. and like open the Bible. Cause the demons will keep us from yeah. doing that. Exactly. Um, and from even comprehending it, because I wouldn't have like necessarily comprehended that like beforehand. And it was like saying like, um, like looking into a mirror from glory to glory. And as soon as I read that, I ran into the mirror and I wanted to look into my eyes and I looked <laughs> into my eyes and they were so much clearer. Like they had so much haziness in them before, but they actually looked just more clear. And yeah, the window <laughs> of the soul. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I immediately, I had astrology rings and necklaces. I took them all off that said my sign. And I took out a bunch of other piercings that I had. I went and threw away some astrology books, a phone cover, everything that I had that had to do with astrology at that very moment. And I was like, okay, Lord, like, this is it. And then um, I had to figure out how to escape my boyfriend at the time. And so then this is when the Lord was kind of like, Literally, I was like, I have to do it now. Like, I have to literally run away from because he was sleeping in the bed next to me. I knew he had a gun and um, he slept with it on the side of his bed. So I gathered up a lot of my things. I left a lot of stuff behind and um, I took the back, the bottom of his gun, like the clip of his gun where all the bullets were. And I put it in one of my bags. This is when I kind of just made my escape because I was just going to run home and figure it out from there. And I'm living in Hollywood at the time. So I'm living with him. We're like in a hotel because he lost, we lost everything. We had no money. That's why I was working so much. I got into the car and I saw him running down the stairs trying to chase after me. And he had something in his pocket. But I knew that I was safe because I had the back of his gun. Yeah, those bullets. You even had to be afraid of that. Like, That's insane that that was even, but the fact that you were so proactive with it too, like mm-hmm. God led to grab that. <laughs> yeah. Cause I knew he was desperate. I knew he felt like if I was going away, like he would have nothing. Yeah. Other than robbing people. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. And he had all of the money I had. We had a lot of money saved. He had all of it cash. I, I left with absolutely nothing. How did you, so then did you make it home to your parents? Did you? Um, the whole way home, I was just praying to the Lord. And I was like, God, like, I know, I know you're real. I know you're real, Jesus. I need you. I need you right, right now. And it was raining and I was driving and all of a sudden it was like Jesus entered my car. He just entered into my vehicle and I just was in his like literal presence the presence of the Lord. And I was like, Jesus, you're real. You're alive. You're here with me right now. And I just felt like all of his love for me. (laughs) 
And it's like my whole life, like I, I heard about this being possible, but I've never experienced it. I drove to the gas station and I was able to find exactly $7. And I put $7 worth of gas <laughs> into my car. And I, you know, drove back home and my parents, you know, because I, I was texting my mom. And uh, the first thing I texted her was like, it is well with my soul. <laughs> That's all I could say. <laughs> Something random. She was like, okay, like, what does that mean? You know, but like, that's that's, real too. Yeah. I was like, it's, it's done. Like, it, wow. It's over. And the craziest, (laughs) like, pinnacle point of your life when everything is crazy, chaotic, you could have died. Mm -hmm. You had the peace and presence Mm -hmm. of the Lord with you. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yeah, and it was just that total peace that like just surpassed everything. Looking for a good ebook on all things dating as a born again Christian? I've got you covered. Head over to the show notes to find my ebook, How to Know If He's the One, where I share the worst of my relational mistakes, how I found my husband, and how God taught me to do relationship his way. I share templates for lists I made, questions I asked, and resources I found helpful along the way. Going back home, my my mom was so gracious. My my dad was really weary. He didn't really believe me. And, you know, my brother was like, what are you doing back here? You know, it was, you know, there was also people that, you know, didn't believe it and it was going to take time, you know, so I was, the Lord carried me through that and he restored our relationship, you know, immediately. I used to have so much weird anger and hatred towards my parents that, you know, I would purposely try to make them angry. I would say provocative things in front of them just to infuriate them. And, you know, I just had so much more respect for them after that. And then the Lord just, you know, led me by my hand and, you know, started changing me. So how long ago was that? Uh, that was um, 2016. It's like seven years now. Uh, so it's been it's been a journey still. You know, God is, you know, slowly taking things, you know, when you get into like the real world of it and you get off of that initial um it's just learning to walk you know with him daily yeah and you know I've, I've had those times where I, I did turn back uh to alcohol for a little bit you know thinking like oh you know my friend's having a graduation party I can go there with her and trying to also balance I was still going to church and I still had that you know that testimony you know of him so I was still you know now on my free will going and being involved But I was also, you know, at some point fooling around with alcohol in a way, you know, but God's completely healed me 100% from that now. So it's been almost a year. So with nothing. Sober? Yeah. (laughs) No alcohol, not even a little bit. So I was like. I had my year in August. So we have so many similarities. Right. And I was just amazing. And now he's been able to use because it's God gave me shortly after, you know, in 2016, he gave me a dream. And in that dream, I was watching the sunset with my mom and dad. And um, we were by the beach. And I saw that the water was receding. And I told my parents, we need to get out of the car and warn these people because I know when the water is receding, it means that there's, there's like a tsunami that's going to happen. And so I get out of my I get out of the car. My parents follow behind me on the horizon. I start, I see Jesus and he's guiding me into like the water. And I'm, and he was going like this in the, in the water. And I started walking down into the water and that's where I saw people and people were, were like coral on the ocean floor and they were all stuck in a different sin. Wow. And it was like, I could see their faces. There was like some like with like, pride in their face some with like lust and I was just like weeping in my dream like hysterically like shaking and crying because it felt super real as I was we were walking through that and my parents were behind me and then I found one of my Christian friends in there and she had her hands out and she was you know preaching to them 
And I was like, what are you doing down here? Like, and she's like, we need to tell these, you know, preach God's word to these people so they can come up out of this. That's amazing. Now you're down there. You're down Mm -hmm. there preaching too. Now um, I'm involved with evangelism. So we we go out to gas stations and all just over our city here in Southern California. And we even go to Dollar Trees, wherever like the Lord leads us, just regular shopping centers. And we give them the whole gospel. We go through a gospel hand and they people are accepting Christ every time we go out there. There's somebody giving their lives to the Lord. So that's amazing. How do you know who to approach? It's just the Holy Spirit. We we pray before we go out there. Um, so it's we just ask for divine appointments when we, you know, ask the Lord, you know, bring those right people to us so that, you know, it's all it's God literally creates a situation. Like we just step out in faith and there's a lot of people who say, no, get away from me. And then there's some people that they just, you just tell their soul was prepared and it was ready for that moment. And it's like, you don't even have to do anything. I just present a simple gospel hand. And it was just like, by grace, we're saved. Man is a sinner and cannot save himself. Uh, God is just, he's loving, but he must punish sin. That's why he sent Jesus to die for our sin, to rise again. And we can only accept it through faith. Starting that real calling, because I was always like, why did God make me? And what did he make me for? That was like just my biggest question always, even through the dark times. I always, I thought that, you know, oh, it was going to be acting. Oh, it was going to be fame. Oh, it's going to be dancing. It's going to be this. But God is calling us to an eternal kingdom and growing that kingdom here on earth. If we're thinking about, you know, the young girls who are watching this episode, mm-hmm. so many of us, like still, like I'm 25 years old and I still have that continuous question. But like you said, that's the answer. Like, so, like that's what all of us want to know is like, why am I here? Mm-hmm. What is my purpose here? Why did God why did God make me? That's the next part. If you recognize, you know, God made you and you are mm-hmm. here for a reason. Knowing that we were made for an eternal kingdom, um, mm-hmm. it, it helps us to endure, you know, the pains and struggles of this life as well and to keep our eyes set on the goodness to come. Um, so I, I love that you brought that up too, because I want to keep in mind too, like, yeah, our, our audience and just the kind of girls that get brought into the club scene, the sex work mm-hmm. scene, into relationships like what you are in. And I think a lot of times it's because they don't know who they are. They don't mm-hmm. know that they're loved by God, that he created them, that he has a plan for them. And so just that starting ground, just knowing that as the foundation could save so many people. Yeah. And it, yeah, just knowing that God is for us. And that, you know, who can be against us? And it's it, it's always like the Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, I know the thoughts of you, says the Lord, of good and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And that held me, you know, so much because it's like I thought, you know, God was going to be so mad at me and then I had to work my way up to him, and but I was never going to be able to do it. But, you know, he thinks, you know, he's a father that thinks so highly of us, you know, too, because he sees us as Jesus, you wow. know, and, and that's just, you know, see, they can rest so much in that. And yeah, for those girls, you know, there's so many people who didn't make it out of the clubs. Um, they died in that. Uh, they got addicted to a drug that they could not come back from. They were hurt so badly that they took their own lives. Um, you know, there's so many people who are going to be stuck in that. I still have friends that are doing that many years later. And they're like, well, we don't know what else we're going to ever do. You know, this is all that we, you know, they think that that's what they were made for. Yeah, the lies that we believe, you know, that keep us stuck. This episode is brought to you by Raised and Redeemed Merch. We all love a good crew neck, high top sock, and oversized t-shirt. Am I right? Head over to the show notes from wherever you're listening to order yours and support the show today. So now you're married and you guys own this this auto repair shop. Mm-hmm. Tell us like how you met your husband and um, you know got started with this business. 
Yeah. Um, so after I was saved, I was looking into, you know, jobs that I could go into. Um, I had a lot of time off of actual work. So I was praying about it. And the Lord just told me, because my, my parents owned an automotive shop. Mm. The Lord, you know, told me, Elizabeth, like, I want you to Google yourself, go work for your parents. You know, I have a plan for you in that. And I started working with them. And also it was good for me working with them because I was out of the world. I wasn't working at a job where there was like otherworldly people that I would, you know, kind of like go back into certain things. God kept me set apart by having uh, me there with my family. And it protected me as well, spiritually being there. And my husband, he actually worked next door. He was a mechanic. That's how we met each other. I thought he was cute. He thought I was cute. And, you know, one day he came up to me and asked for my phone number. And, you know, we you know started calling each other and, you know, talking for a while. And we went out for, you know, coffee. And I kind of, I almost immediately, I kind of told him all that I was about, you know, that I'm a Christian. And, uh, you know, I also let him know a little bit of my past off the beginning. That way he wouldn't be, you know, I could weed out the guys that are definitely not for me if they're going to have an issue. Yes. He was a Catholic though. So that was where I, you know, was like, well, you can start going to my Christian church. And, you know, he immediately actually became good friends with our pastor and created a great friendship with him. And I got to see him like grow in his faith and he was baptized. And then uh, shortly after that, he asked me to marry him. And we got married and he he is uh, just so patient and so understanding, like he's never raised, raised his voice to me. Like he's just, just very gentle. And he allows me to share, like even this, like sharing my story, you know, and sharing those things that, you know, some guys would think, oh, that's embarrassing me, you know, but that's how they would see it. But I knew that, you know, God would not want me with somebody like that. And God gave me somebody who says, Elizabeth, like you need to go out and serve God as, you know, God needs to come first in your life. And this isn't, he told me, he's like, Elizabeth, don't be scared to share your testimony because that's not your testimony. That's God's testimony. Yeah. So you were saved about what, three years before you met him? Um, no, more or less one year. One year. Okay. Yeah. About one year after I gave my life to the Lord, I met him and then like two years later we got married. Okay, that makes sense. And now you've been married for four years. Yes. I just love the complete 180 that, you know, before before you knew who you were, before you knew you were God's daughter, like you settled for this relationship where you literally had to fear for your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you were the one providing and, you know, taking on all this burden that was not yours to carry alone. And once you came home to the Lord and like learned who you are, mm-hmm. now it's just a 180 of the kind of life you have and and man you're with and, and life that you're leading. It's so beautiful. Like I look back on my life before Jesus and I'm like, I was in some crazy chaotic scenarios Mm -hmm. in the middle of the night that I had like no business being in ever. Mm -hmm. Now my life is like so peaceful. Right. (laughs) I'm like crazy. It's so shocking. It's going to be like a Friday night and I have my two cats with me and I have my husband and he's playing worship music and we're praising the Lord and the cats are in the back and we're having like just the best time sipping coffee. We're like, you know, God, you're so good. He's so transformative. And that's what people need to know too is like, it is like, you can live a fun life in the Mm -hmm. Lord. It's just different fun. Like it's the type of fun that isn't, destroying your soul Mm. like when you started at the club you said like at first it was fun but before Mm -hmm. you knew it like you're in these dark environments dark relationships like you were literally Mm -hmm. dead like you were Mm -hmm. actually dead Mm -hmm. and and you know like that that fun that's involved with sin it just it begins to destroy you like you said it diminished Mm -hmm. you nothing Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So fun in the Lord, it gives you more life. He he says he came to give us life and life more abundantly. Mm-hmm. Like when we do things his way, it just brings us more and more life. And we, we experience more fruits of goodness in mm-hmm. our life, in our relationship, relationships, in our businesses. Like it's just overall yeah. um, goodness. <laughs> yes. And it's like, yeah, that 
that things of good and not of evil. And it's like, he really, you know, um, the enemy also tries to scare you too, especially, you know, when I first came to know the Lord, I was like, now I have to go sell it, not sell anything because I didn't have anything, but now I have to go, you know, to a different country and all this stuff or become a missionary somewhere far away and all that. But you know, God has good plans for us. He has, he knows, he designed us, he created us. He knows all of our uh, strengths, our abilities, our weaknesses, and he will place us just at the right time in the right moment, just like Esther, you know, he'll have us being, you know, there at just the right time for such a time as this, God will place us. That's so good. Like you said, I kind of had that same, like, oh my gosh, I need to be going around the world. But sometimes like you can live out your godly life just by loving your family well, Mm -hmm. loving your clients well, letting them see Mm -hmm. Jesus in you, the people you encounter at, you know, Dollar General, like you Mm -hmm. said, like it's right here. Like you don't have to go far and wide uh, Mm -hmm. to live out the mission that he has for you. No. Yeah. It's so true. And it's just so amazing because it was that that goes into like living like your life, like your ministry is wherever God has you, regardless if it's, you know, at an automotive repair shop, if it's, you know, in an office and, you know, God has confirmed with me multiple times, you know, what he wants you know, why he wants me here. Um, you know, like I said, when I first came to know the Lord, he told me, you know, I want you to be an automotive. And uh, last year I was, you know, saying, Lord, why am I here? Why did you give us the shop? You know, it's becoming, it's becoming so wearisome because there are so many people, we were being attacked a lot when we first started our business here. All these people were like, I'm going to sue you. I'm going to sue you. For the, and it was like random incidents. And we were calling the person who used to own the shop before. And I was like, was this happening to you? And he's like, no. You know, that's really all that that's going on right now. And I'm like, yeah, like everything was just coming at us. And one morning I was like, that's it, Lord, I'm, I'm starting a fast. I'm, you know, I'm going to do something uh, because something's got to give, you know, you have to show me what you want me to do with the shop. And that very morning I came into the shop and a guy from the Bureau of Automotive was here and I thought he was writing us up. I thought we had a lawsuit against us. And he came in and he was like, oh, I'm just here to fix your equipment. You know, don't, you know, don't be worried. Nobody called on you. And then I was like, okay, well, you know, equipment hasn't been working properly. So I kind of started uh, complaining to him. And he looked around my office and he saw that we had a wrench that was in the shape of a cross. Okay. And he said, I believe that the Holy Spirit has led me here today. He was like, I was supposed to be here a week ago. And this was the Bureau of Automotive telling me this. You know, it was a government agent telling me that he was supposed to be here a week ago and that the Holy Spirit brought him here to encourage me and to let me know that he has me here for a reason for a ministry here to minister to people here within an hour, because it was like an hour before, like I literally just woke up. I barely got myself to the shop and, you know, God gave me that, you know, confirmation that I'm still in his will. Even after all these years later, you know, but God still has his hand on it. And people have already given their lives to the Lord here at the shop. Um, since then, you know, I have my Gideon Bibles here and I've been handing them out and sharing the gospel and I've been doing a program to utilize the gospel hand so I can share with people very effectively the full gospel. So it's just been this crazy season, you know, of harvest. I had a Bible verse to share with you. Um, it says, uh, But we have have renounced the hidden things of shame, not working in craftiness, nor handling the word of God in deceitfulness, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's consciousness in sight of God. Um, So it just means just making the things that you were ashamed of, that we just bring it up, you know, and that way it could be laid manifest. And then God can turn whatever that is into light and redeeming the times because like the days are evil. And that God can, you know, just redeem your past. And we don't have to be afraid to make those things manifest because we are in the light. You know, we're no longer children of the darkness. If you were to share, like, thinking about the girls who are in a position like what you once were, I think that's an amazing verse for starters. If there's anything else, like, what would you, if you could go back and, like, tell your younger self slash, Mm -hmm. like, what you needed to hear at that point in your life? 
Mm. What would you say? Well, definitely that God is love. And even though whatever you've been taught or anything like that, that God, he has really good thoughts of you. Um, So you don't have to run to darkness, that there is, you know, power in his name and that you can turn to him with whatever it is that's bothering you. He's not too busy for you. And he is so faithful, you know, and if we just seek him with our full hearts, that we will be saved and that the Bible promises that just for those girls, because they're hurting. That's why they, they go to those places, because they desire love. They desire attention. They so desperately are looking for meaning and purpose in their life that they're willing to go to those depths to find it. And they're not going to find it in that, you know, I was a slave to a cruel master and now I am free in Christ and I'm a bond servant and I'm loved and I'm clothed in his righteousness, not of my own. And he has given me all of the answers. All of the answers for my life is in his word. And nobody will value you as much as Jesus does. My husband will never love me as much as Jesus does. My parents will never love me as much as Jesus does. No human being possibly can. Only God can. And he will show you his love. You know, he will fill your heart with his love like he did for me, you know, in my car. I reached out to him in my pain and he found me where I was. And like, he's a gentleman too, you know, like he, he gives us that free will, but the moment that you called out to him, he Mm -hmm. was there, he was there Mm -hmm. in your time of need. You just had to ask for him. Like he's always there, Mm -hmm. but we, we have to invite him. And the moment that you did, you just felt that overwhelming presence. So Mm -hmm. yeah, on that note, just encouraging the listeners to just, just ask him, you know, just cry out to him and I believe that he will make himself known the same way that he did for you. Thank you. So good. (laughs) Yeah. Would you like to pray us out? Um, Pray for the listeners, the, the same girls we've been talking to this whole episode. Yes. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much uh, for this beautiful Raising and Redeemed community, Lord. Um, Thank you, Lord, for all that you've been doing through it. And, Uh, Thank you so much, Lord, for Michaela, Lord. Thank you for her faithfulness to be faithful uh, towards you with uh, this ministry, God. I just pray uh, for a special blessing over these listeners, Lord, that they would just feel your presence, Heavenly Father, that they would um, fully reach out to you, Lord, in their time of need, Lord. And you are so faithful, Lord. You will fill their hearts, Lord, with your love for them. And they would, I just pray that they would comprehend the depths of your love, Lord, that they would comprehend that, Lord, and that you would just give them dreams, visions, and understanding, Lord, of your calling for their lives. We thank you, Jesus, for this time. I pray just a blessing over Michaela as well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love to have you leave a review and share it with a friend. All information on how to stay connected with the Raised and Redeemed podcast can be found in the show notes below. Until next time, stay well and God bless you.